quite unusual. Hello, and welcome to the Quite Unusual podcast. I'm your host, Nicole. And I'm your other host, Noelle. And this week, we have a fun and festive topic for you guys. We are talking about Krampus. Krampus. Or some say anti-Santa. Anti-Claus. Anti-Claus. Oh. I think I probably love Krampus more than I love Santa, but I guess that's just like the spooky girl in me. Wait, do you do you hear that? What? It's a, a chorus of Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to Nicole. Ho, ho, ho. It's a birthday. Not today, but yesterday. Happy birthday to you. That was so great. Thank you. I just... It, yeah. It just flowed through you. The, the, <laughs> it's like Fergie and Jesus took over my body. Mm, I could I could tell. Yes, my birthday was yesterday. Sure was. I turned 30. Sure did. Yeah. 30, dirty, and dying. No. That's how that saying goes. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. The saying is uh, 30, dirty, and dying. Mm. Dirty from digging your own grave. And also just dying because you're super old. So yeah. it's only a matter of time. Oh, Goodbye, Nicole. Yeah. Well, I would like to just take a little moment to give a big shout out to everyone who wished me a happy birthday yesterday. I turned 30. It's a milestone. And I just want to say thanks. Thanks to everyone who reached out, who bought us a drink, all that jazz. Thank you. Everyone was very sweet. And honestly, Mm -hmm. you are so young. You're gorgeous. And everyone keeps telling us that our 30s are going to be the best years of our lives. So be so optimistic. Be excited. And just live your (laughs) life. That's true. My 20s weren't really that great. So maybe 30s. That's what's up. Will be. You're going to hit your stride. (laughs) anyways i'm sure everyone listening to this has heard of krampus probably because of the awesome movie that just came out well not just came out came out in 2015 by michael doherty who actually also made one of my all-time favorite halloween movies trick-or-treat this is a trick-or-treat family for sure it's so good i would even go as far to say that krampus is probably my favorite christmas movie but I'm not a Christmas girl. I'm more of like a fall Halloween girl. Like that's the time that I thrive. Yeah. What about you? Are you a Christmas girl? I am absolutely a Christmas girl. I am a winter girl. You are a true autumn and I... You are a winter. I am a winter. You are. Um, Gremlins actually though is my favorite Christmas Mm -hmm. movie. So good. It's undoubtedly the best Christmas adjacent movie in my opinion. For sure. Gremlins is... I, Gremlins is probably my second favorite Christmas yeah. movie, but That's my fair enough. my favorite part is uh, when Phoebe Cates is telling the story of why she hates Christmas. Oh, yeah, it's so dark, and it's because her dad dressed as Santa, <laughs> and he got stuck in the chimney, and nobody knew he was there until they all started to smell something, mm-hmm. and then they found him stuck. I don't know why that story is so funny to me, but every time I watch that movie, and it's that part, I just laugh uncontrollably and i can't only be the only one you're not there has to be somebody else who thinks it's hilarious well i do it's hilarious and it's sad and i feel like gremlins is just a twisted fucking movie mm-hmm. and i love it very much and it's terrible and amazing at the same time it is and yeah. uh gizmo's just the cutest thing ever he's so cute he was like he's like the baby yoda before baby yoda oh shit he's the og baby yoda isn't baby yoda 
I haven't watched The Mandalorian season two though yet. So okay, don't well, anything. no one's gonna do any spoilers, but okay. you need to watch it immediately I know, because I know. I've I'm heard, gonna start rewatching it. I've heard the se- the season finale is a doozy. It's transcendent. <laughs> it's transcendent. Yes. We're going as far to say it's transcendent. Yeah. Well, we're Star Wars girls, so we like, are. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna like it. Love Star Wars. Gonna like it. Gonna it's gonna good. Like it. It's good. Well, this episode will actually. It's going to come out the Monday before Christmas, so we should probably wish everyone Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever it is that you celebrate this season. We hope you stay safe, take care of yourselves mentally and physically. It's been a rough year for everyone, so got to do you. It's been a hell of a year. Yeah. So that's really, yeah, take care of yourself for all. And so just all of our sweet little baby woodland creatures out there. Oh. I don't know why I do this, but I do. <laughs> baby woodland creatures. <laughs> Happy Christmas. Um, Hanukkah will be over by the time this comes out. So I hope that all of those that observed had yes. just a joyous celebration. We're wishing all of our Kwanzaa celebrators warmth and togetherness. And for all others, happy holidays, and we love you so much. We love you. Do you want to get down to Spooky Town and start today's episode? I do. I do want to get down to Spooky Town. Are you laughing at me because <laughs> I said that? Or... No, I just genuinely want to go to Spooky oh, okay. Town. Okay, all right. Well, then let's go. All right, let's go. Nicole, quick mm-hmm. cue for you, babe. Mm-hmm. If I were to say the word Krampus... Mm-hmm. You could probably picture this beast in your head, right? Oh, absolutely. Because of the movie and actually because of your neighbors, too. Oh, yeah. My my neighbors down the street have yeah. a giant sign out that says Grub Rum Krampus and a giant, giant fucking Krampus, Krampus. Which I kind of need for my house also. It's amazing. So. And at night, you'll see it when you leave. Um, mm-hmm. He like lights up and like wags his tongue all over. Oh, so cool. Super spooky. But we're getting ahead of ourselves here. So you, just like our listeners, are probably picturing a tall, hairy beast, definitely a hideous face, and definitely a keen attitude towards punishing naughty children, right? Yep. Krampus does exist in many variations, but that general idea is pretty standard. Just big and ugly and terrible and just wants to hurt children. Scary. Yeah, so Krampus exists in many variations, but that general idea is pretty standard. Just tall, super ugly, loves hurting children. You know, the huge, right? The huge. Krampus is usually referred to as a dude, but I have seen female Krampus iterations, which are very fun, and I'm just going to say this right now. Girl power! Am I right, Lady Krampi? Yeah. Is it the the plural of Krampus? Krampi? Krampi. Krampi. Krampuses, Krampi, ooh, yeah. are the female Krampuses called Krampussies? They are Krampussies, and <laughs> I feel like they have, like, an all-female rock band. Mm. Maybe they sing, like, Krampi, I, I, I don't know. That just seems like their call would be that. They're not the Cranberries, but they're the Krampussies. They're the Krampussies. I think that that's a natural. What's that other band that's, uh... Pussy Riot. Cram Pussy, Pussy Riot. Cram Pussy Riot. There you go. There it is. Cram Pussy Riot. Cram Pussy Riot. Coming to a target near you. <laughs> Krampus is a very tall monster. He towers over humans. I'm just going to say he right now. I'm just going to go. We're going to go hard with a, a male pronoun here. Because I don't think Krampus actually gives a fucking shit. Krampus, yeah. Krampus is whatever the fuck you want him yeah. to be. He's ugly Her. and tall. Or 
him. So it's probably a man. Yeah. Yeah. Just, okay. We're going to get, we're going to hear about that. He towers over humans. So think like seven or eight feet tall. Krampus has to hunch his shoulders to fit through doorways. And as a result, his shoulders are permanently hunched. Exactly like what's going to happen to all of us if we don't listen to our moms and we sit up straight. And literally both of us just sat up straight. Yeah, I just readjusted for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Krampus. Shout out to Krampus for making us sit up straight. Our moms would be so proud. Krampus is covered in thick, long, matted hair. The hair is dark in color. It's either black or brown. Krampus is either depicted as having the body of a man, but he's wearing sheep or animal skin, like a cloak. Mm -hmm. Or I did see a lot of Krampi and Krampussies (laughs) that actually have fur like a goat or a sheep would, like growing out of their bodies. Like intense body hair hair. situation. Doesn't wax, doesn't laser. Doesn't laser. (laughs) No. Either way, he's dirty stinky and they definitely need a hairbrush and probably a bath (laughs) definitely one or two baths like a pre-bath for the bath Mm. so they could actually get clean on that second bath a nice soak yeah (laughs) i was gonna do jewish krampus (laughs) please do (laughs) everyone here want okay raise your hand if you want to hear a jewish krampus nicole's raising both of her hands Everyone else listening to this in their cars or while they're working is doing the same thing. It's kind of weird because everyone's like, why? But just go for it. Do it. Okay. Honey, I'm going to go do a soak, okay? I'm going to go do a soak. I'm schwitzing in here. I'm going to go get a bagel with some schmear. It's me, Krampus. Got a little schmear in my my goat beard here. So I'm going to go for a soak. Don't bother me. Don't. (laughs) Don't bother me. And there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. End scene. Jewish Krampus. I'm so sorry. I did that. Don't apologize. Everyone loves it and you know it. Is he wearing a yarmulke? I picture him to be. I'd like to think my Krampus wears a yarmulke. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. Well, sometimes he also wears beautiful robes, like an old-timey Santa Claus would. (laughs) He has his hood up to disguise him, only to reveal a hideous monster underneath. And other times, he just doesn't wear clothes, so that's kind of hot. Oh, he goes. He wears his birthday suit. Mm-hmm. Oh, hot. Yeah, he's, I imagine he comes out of an egg, though. So maybe it's not like his birthday. Maybe it's like a hatching suit. Oh, <laughs> do you think Krampus is a mammal? He's got hair. So then he has nipples. Have I'll, you ever milked a Krampus? I haven't, but if he has nipples, you can probably, you can you probably can milk, milk anything milk with nipples. <laughs> All right, moving on. Krampus has human-like hands with long, jagged claws. One human foot, also with claws, and one cloven hoof. So there are some iterations where both feet are human and then others where both are cloven hooves. And I probably spent about an hour trying to find out why sometimes he only has one hoof and one foot. Yeah. And I have no fucking clue. That is weird. It's just a thing on the, I don't know. I can't find any any reason why. So if anyone knows why. Half man, half beast? Yeah, but he has two human hands, uh-huh. one human foot, and one hoof. Huh. So he's like one quarter goat like his dad didn't bang a goat but his grandpa did oh grandpa 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 so i don't know maybe it's just like they're taking this half goat half human thing very seriously and they want to just drive home that he isn't full human Mm -hmm. but i'm unsure so like i said if anyone knows let us know and also if you do not know what a cloven hoof is think satan think a goat Mm. um 
I think cows have cloven hooves. It's just like a little two-toed hoof. It's very cute, unless it's Krampus, in which case it's gross. <laughs> Krampus also has legs like a goat with that bend backwards at the knee, or it would actually be called a hawk. And also, he has long horns. Sometimes they're curled. Sometimes they extend out Hellboy style, but he doesn't break them off. When's the last time you saw Hellboy? I just watched the new one with uh, the the guy from Stranger Things. What's his name? I don't know. Uh, he plays like the really good, the cop. What, what's, oh, what's his name? Hopper. 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 Yeah. Hopper. He is like the new, in the newest Hellboy, he's Hellboy. Really? It wasn't terrible, but oh. it wasn't. Like the, uh, fuck, what's the original Hellboy? The guy from Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> I don't know. I could picture his face. Uh, Clay from Sons of Anarchy. I sure. don't know what his real name is. But... I just refer to that actor as Hellboy. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's just what you got to do. Yeah, it wasn't terrible, but I mean, I don't know. I'm was not... it like on par for Hellboy? Yeah, it was pretty Hellboyish. Yeah, that's like mm. a different class. It's not good, but it's Hellboy. Yeah, it's Hellboy. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, speaking of Hellboy... Both cloven hooves and horns are used as symbols of the devil or quote-unquote evil deeds throughout history and across cultures. So that's sort of fun. A little throwback to the devil there. Mm. Krampus has an extremely long pointy tongue. Sometimes it's depicted as being forked. Other times it's not. And it kind of just like lobs out of his mouth, like kiss style. Mm. He also has very long, sharp fangs. Mm, Yeah, Gene Simmons all day. Oh, yeah. He sounds super cute, right? Totally. I mean, it basically boils down to being the love child of Gene Simmons and a goat, (laughs) which I don't know Gene Simmons personally, but I do feel like that animal could exist. Yeah, it does exist, and it's Krampus. It's (laughs) Krampus. He's just waiting for his father, Gene Simmons, to come home after tour, but he never does. Oh, that's so sad. That's why he beats other children, because they're like, you have fathers? I have a father, but he's on tour. We've solved solved the curse of Krampus. I'm getting very emotional about Krampus It all boils down to (laughs) fucking Gene Simmons. Love your children, I guess, is just what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, Gene. (laughs) Fucking Gene. Krampus is seen wearing a large wicker basket or a sack on his back, Mm -hmm. like a backpack. He uses his backpack or sack pack. To cart off naughty children, or I guess just misbehaving children of sorts. I'm saying naughty a lot, and it feels weird. Well, that's like the typical Christmas thing. Yeah, I almost said so. Halloween right there. Halloween. <laughs> that's not a Halloween thing. No. I wish it was. That's when the naughty children thrive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Krampus takes the naughty children back to his lair, and he eats them. Or sometimes he drowns them just for fun. Oh, Super fun. This is reserved for only the worst children, the ones who were especially bad. Mm. Some lore say that Krampus lives in hell and he drags the naughty children back to hell with him. But this isn't the most common idea, although Mm. I sort of like it. I think that's fun. Like bad kids just go to hell. Right. They don't have any chance to redeem themselves in life. They're just (laughs) just bad bad kids and they just automatically go to hell. Yeah. Savage. Krampus just grabs them with his Gene Simmons tongue, puts them in a sack pack, and drags them to hell. I mean, hey, don't be a dick. Sometimes kids deserve that. I've met children that deserve that. Yeah, I've met a lot of children that deserve that, too. So did we just come out as Team Krampus? Yeah. (laughs) If anyone's wondering, we are fully Team Krampus on this podcast. And this is not sponsored by Krampus. No. So, but Krampus, if you're listening, give us a shout out. All you cram pussies out there, too. All you cram pussies, that's right. 
If a child is bad, but not bad enough to be put in the sack and become Krampus snacks, put in the snack sack, mm. they are simply beat. Just, oh, he just beats them. Krampus okay. carries around a bundle of birch branches called a rutin that he uses as his preferred instrument of child beating. The bundle of branches is believed to have two separate but equal meanings. The first is that it's just a pagan phallic symbol because why not? Everything long is a penis, I guess. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I don't know. Uh. The second, which is sort of fun, is this is a reference to a Dutch legend where St. Nicholas, or St. Nicholas, mm. is a real person. He's the patron saint of children. He is killed, but he comes back from the dead, and he beats another bishop to death with birch branches. Whoa. So the thought is that Krampus is basically St. Nicholas's enforcer, and he carries a bundle of birch branches just in case good old St. Nick needs someone beat. So Krampus is like Santa's bodyguard. He's like his muscle, right? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's like the yin to Santa's yang. (laughs) Santa gives gifts, and Krampus... Gives beatings. Yes, but Yin is the more subdued female version. So I feel like Santa would Santa's be the Yin. yin and then and Krampus, Krampus is, yang. is the Yang. All right. Yeah. I see it. Yeah. He probably calls his tongue as Yang also. <laughs> I don't they know. They call him sure. the tripod. That's true. Because of his tongue. Because of his tongue. <laughs> Krampus will chase children, smacking them with his birch bundle. He will even poke them in the stomach until they vomit, which is very fun. Wow. Remember that super long, beautiful tongue we talked about that Uh, turns him into a tripod? Duh. (laughs) He uses that to slap children across the face. (laughs) The tongue is kind of prehensile, and it's used almost like another appendage. Krampus grabs children with his tongue, and he holds them very tightly. And I was thinking when I was doing this research Mm -hmm. that human tongues are also kind of prehensile. Like, you, you could hold something with your tongue. Um, I wouldn't recommend slapping someone in the face with it. <laughs> Especially with COVID. Yeah. But you know what? I'm not here to kink shame. So you do what you want to do. Do you hold stuff with your tongue? I, what are you holding with your tongue? I mean, I can tie a cherry stem with my tongue, but I don't think I've actually ever held anything with it. Yeah. I mean, okay. If you can tie a cherry stem, it means that you're using it like an appendage, like a finger. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't it be prehensile? But what do you hold with your tongue? I don't know. Give me something. I'm going to hold something with my tongue right now. Give me this Give me this hair tie. Hold this bottle of whiskey <laughs> on your tongue. My tongue isn't long enough. It's not Krampus style. <laughs> but like you could do this. Like I'm holding something with my tongue. So you can't see this. <laughs> she is. Huh? Okay. Okay. I, I get oh. it. I, yeah. But like I, maybe if it were bigger. Yeah. Like I bet Gene Simmons can like pick something up with it hold a bottle of whiskey with his tongue easily he could uncork it i'm i'm almost positive i've seen gene yeah, simmons uncork yeah. a bottle with his tongue yes for sure he's known for it <laughs> krampus can usually be seen with chains draped on his body like think ghosts of christmas past style mm. you can hear him coming from the jingle of his chains which to me this is such a spooky parallel to the jingle of santa's bells yeah how do you tell the difference um, I think bells sound nice and chains sound fucking terrifying. Oh, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's like, true. Here, rattle your chain really quick. I don't have a chain. <laughs> oh, wait, what? Okay, well. <laughs> the chains were not in the original pagan description of Krampus, 
but they were added later when he was incorporated into the Christian Christmas tradition. Mm. The chains represent the binding of the devil, or as a way to prove that Krampus is not free to do what he wishes, but he is beholden to St. Nicholas or his duty. Oh, and also a fun fact. A Krampus is, according to lore, a species, not an individual being. Really? Yes. So in theory, there's a whole clan of Krampi and Krampussies just Ooh. running around wild in the Alps. I like that. I like it too. It's so nice. Yeah. The bottom line is that Krampus is horrifying. From his twisted goat horns all the way down to his possible one human foot, <laughs> he is a beast designed to terrify children and keep them in line. All of you listeners might be wondering where the legend of Krampus actually comes from, like I am. Mm. And lucky for all of you, Nicole's going to tell us right now. All right, so let's get into some origins and history of Krampus. Krampus. So Krampus originated in folklore in Austria's Alpine region and in other parts of Germany as early as the 1600s, but he is also a figure in many other European countries, such as Bavaria, Croatia, the Czech Republic, Hungary, Slovenia, and even Northern Italy. So all the best food countries. Yep. Yeah, basically. (laughs) The name Krampus comes from the German word Krampen, which means claw. Like that gnarly-ass claw on his human hands, and then his possible one human foot. Exactly. Yeah. Just the one. Just the one foot. Just the one foot, maybe, sometimes. (laughs) Before Krampus became Santa's ride-along partner, (laughs) he was said to first be the son of the Norse god of the underworld, Hel, spelled with only one L. Such a cute name for a boy, honestly. Hel. Mm -hmm. Krampus was thought to have been a part of pagan rituals for the winter solstice, or Yule, if you follow the Wheel of the Year. His terrifying look that Noel just went over ties into an old pagan ritual that involved dressing up in a scary costume and running through the streets to try to dispel the evil spirits of winter. Yeah, it's a very cool tradition, and we will touch base on it in a little bit. There isn't actually a lot of history on the origin of Krampus, because when Christianity took over, a lot of ancient pagan traditions and stories weren't written down, and many things were just sort of assimilated into Christianity. Classic. So it's kind of hard to, like, pinpoint what's what. Yeah. When I don't think a lot of people know this, or maybe they just choose to not know it, but the likelihood that Jesus was actually born in December is not very high. No. No, it's not. Like, he wants to be a Sagittarius. Actually, would it be Capricorn? He would be Capricorn. He wants to be a Capricorn, (laughs) but honey, he is not. He wishes. Yeah. I guess in the Bible, there isn't really a date that specifies when he was born, but historians actually speculate that he was born sometime in the summer or early fall. For it all to happen in the winter when it's very cold, you know, the long journey that the 70 miles or whatever that Mary and Joseph were said to have traveled in the cold is not likely. And there's actually also a mention of shepherds being in a field watching their flock in the Bible at the time of Jesus's birth. And this did not happen in the winter. Mm. Shepherds would be inside and they'd be seeking shelter. Okay. So basically the church just kind of decided that December 25th was Jesus's birthday because around this time, the pagans celebrated Yule in the winter solstice, and Roman pagans celebrated a holiday that 
was called Saturnalia. And the Christians felt left out that they didn't have a holiday. So some say they decided that Jesus's birthday was in December to try to like compete with these other religions that they were trying to take over. Oh, and they just felt left out. Like, we, we want a holiday. <laughs> Everybody else got a holiday and we don't even get one. Pretty much. And then they looked over at like an eight-month-old baby and they're like, it's your birthday. And he's like, <laughs> what? I'm a grown man. I just assumed Jesus was born a grown man. I've seen a lot of Renaissance paintings where he's a grown man. What about nine pound, eight ounce baby Jesus? That's not Ugh. how you picture your baby Jesus? No, I pictured my baby Jesus in like a tuxedo t-shirt Ooh. because I like to party and I like my Jesus to party. Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> but this means that you can directly blame old Christian churches for ruining your birthday. So thanks again, Jesus. I know, right? That's why I only get one present for my birthday and Christmas. So rude. Thanks again, Jesus. Thanks, Jesus. Some also say it was to try to steal the holidays away. Like, I don't want to piss anyone off because religion is a very testy thing for people, but... No, piss them off. There are a lot of stolen practices from pagan religion that have just been adopted into Christianity that I think many God-fearing people who reject witchcraft and paganism probably don't know about. Mm. so it's just something to call out i you know i could go on and on about this forever Mm -hmm. it's a very hot topic for me but i guess the moral of the story is practice whatever religion you like i don't give a shit just don't be an asshole about it i honestly hope that that wouldn't piss people off i mean i guess people are going to but you have to realize that everything comes from somewhere. Yeah. Like a lot of lore and even ancient religions were ripoffs of other stuff. Mm-hmm. So I guess the moral of this episode, besides Gene Simmons, call your children, <laughs> is don't ever for a moment think that your religion is superior to another. Yes. Because it's likely lifted ideas off of other religions. Precisely. So that's it. Show's over. Um, <laughs> we've been through two morals when usually we just do one. So just turn it off because we're done. Yeah, we're done. It's it's over. It's over. Bye, everyone. Have a great holiday. Speaking of the church, during the 12th century, the Catholic Church tried to ban Krampus celebrations because they hated fun and also <laughs> because of his resemblance to the devil. Oh. You know, the horns, the cloven feet. Oh, yeah. All that jazz. You no, know, he was just trying to look like his father, Gene Simmons. <laughs> Gene Simmons notoriously has one cloven hoof. Yeah, they just didn't understand at the time. It's true. In fact, once Christianity blew through Europe, Krampus's looks kind of evolved a little bit. He went from kind of like a lovable half-goat, half-man to looking even more sinister with some satanic influences thrown in, like the long tongue and the chains. Oh. And this was because the Catholic Church wanted to present him in more of a satanic view to try to persuade people against him. But I guess joke's on you, church, because we like scary shit. (laughs) Yeah. They wanted us to be scared, and yet we idolize him. We're like, how do we make him look as fucking badass as possible? And they fucking nailed it. it. But yeah, yeah, people just love him. Wow. Try again, Jesus. In 1934, Austria's conservative Christian social party, or the Dolphus regime, made more moves to try to get rid of our horned homie. Horned homie. (laughs) In the 1950s, the government even distributed pamphlets titled Krampus is an Evil Man, which, great title. (laughs) 
I mean, it delivers what it promises, at least. Uh, Yeah, I guess. But as we all know, nothing could keep this little cutie out of our thoughts and hearts because Krampus celebrations still occurred and they still occur to this day. Krampus wasn't very widely known in the U.S. until about the 2000s, which to me seems sort of strange, don't you think? Super strange. I feel like this is one of those things that it's like the Mandela effect. I feel like I Mm. knew about it forever but I absolutely cannot think of the moment when I learned what a Krampus or a Krampussy was. Right. <laughs> so weird. So weird. Anyways, I guess Krampus came to the States when Krampus cards were designed from um, the 19th century and they started recirculating online. Oh, gotta blame the internet. Blame the internet. So these cards showed Krampus going after children with sticks, leading them away from their homes in chains, and also stuffing them into sacks. His snack sack? His snack sack. Meaning, greetings from Krampus. After this, Krampus, the anti-Santa, started appearing in TV shows and movies like the movie Krampus. Yes. And weirdos like us just decided he was better than Santa, and his popularity sort of took off. He honestly is so much cooler. Right? Would you rather, quick question for you, mm-hmm. would you rather be beat with a birch branch or <laughs> given coal as a naughty child? Mm, I'd rather get presents, so I'd take the beating if it meant I could get presents. Yeah. I feel like I would take the beating too, and I feel like I'm about to reveal something weird about myself, so I'm just going to stop saying this right now. Ooh. What are you about to reveal? That I like to dress up like Krampus and I run through the mall and I hit people with my stick. Oh. Yeah, what did you you? think I was going to say? I don't know. Yeah. Wow. That's me. Everyone me. (laughs) If you see her, say hi. That's me. (laughs) I will have to say, though, if I ever have kids, I am for sure threatening them with Krampus. Oh, got to. I'm Maybe I'll do like the lame ass elf on a shelf shit. No. Maybe I'll just skip it all together and just tell them Krampus is going to get them if they don't behave because I don't know if we have any parents out there listening, but I may be on to something. Your child's going to be way more frightened of Krampus than they are of an elf on a shelf. Yeah, the elf on the shelf is a lame little jerk and I hate it. <laughs> And I would have never been afraid of it as a child. No. So, you know what? If you ever have children, I volunteer mm-hmm. to go to your house, dress like Krampus. Fuck yes. And like rap on the window with my <laughs> stick and be like, guten tag, naughty children. Yeah. And I'll just like jingle my chains outside of their fucking windows and shit. All right. You guys have heard it. So she's, you have to do it now. This is, a, I pledge to you to traumatize your children. <laughs> Yes. Anyone else that wants it, give me a call. Call 1-800-NOEL-IS-KRAMPUS and reach our hotline and schedule an appointment. Wow, that's amazing. But uh, anyways, (laughs) do you want to tell us about some Krampus-themed festivities? I think I probably should. Okay. The 5th of December is the night that Krampus comes to town. It's called Krampusnot in Austrian, and I practice that a lot of times, because you know my boyfriend speaks German, and he said it over and over, and then I was crying, and he's like, Krampus not, and I was like, Krampus not, and he's like, no, and he hit his birch stick on the table. Anyways, I think I got it, though. Krampus not. Everyone who speaks German has to own a birch stick for whippings. 
it I think you're born with it actually yeah yeah like it it grows with you in the womb (laughs) and you're actually born with it yeah makes Mm -hmm. sense I think it yeah that's how that works Mm -hmm. There is a super fun video of one of my all-time favorite actors, Christoph Waltz, mm, explaining I love him. that he's amazing. He's so good. He's explaining that Krampus is just a thing that he grew up with in Austria, mm-hmm. and it's entrancing. I could listen to him speak for honestly probably sixteen hours before I need a break, and the way he tells this story oh. is just so. Yeah, Krampus is real. He's honestly just the best, and he delivers. Probably the greatest monologues in all of cinema. Oh, for sure. Every time. He's just so captivating on screen. He is. We watched that movie Big Eyes last night. Did you oh, watch that? I haven't, no. It's very good. I wasn't super pumped it's for animated, it. It's animated, right? No, no, no. So it's Amy Adams is like an artist. And oh. then she marries Christoph Waltz and he takes credit for her artwork. It's a true story. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, wow. Christoph Waltz took credit for someone's artwork in real life. In real life? No, I'm just kidding. That's not, <laughs> that's not the plot. But it's very, very good, and I do highly recommend that. Oh. Nothing to do with Christmas or Krampus, but... Has everything to do with Christoph Waltz, and, and hey... Ain't nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Anyways, Krampusnacht is... I'm so scared I'm saying that wrong. Is the night before the Feast of St. Nicholas, which is December 6th. So basically, think Christmas Eve and Krampusnacht are kind of like the same thing. Oh, okay. Traditionally, St. Nicholas rolls up to your door with Krampus in tow. And if you've been good, St. Nicholas gives you treats and presents. If you've been bad, St. Nicholas steps out of the way and here comes Krampus. I love that. Krampus delivers the aforementioned beatings or kidnappings, I guess, (laughs) on Krampus not. And he also delivers those bundles of birch branches or rootin to parents to use as a threat for their children for the rest of the nice. year. Sweet so, to go, Krampus. Yeah, it's sort of like the OG belt. elf on the shelf. <laughs> oh, belt. Yes, also the OG belt. We all got the belt. We were raised in the like, 90s. All your dad had to do was snap it and you knew. No, daddy, no. I don't think I was ever actually hit with the belt. It was just... Do you want it? And that in and of yeah. itself was just terrifying. You knew the belt existed and therefore yeah. you were afraid of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> child, child. Oh, the nineties. That's fine. <laughs> you were talking about threatening your children with Krampus kidnappings and beatings. Oh, yeah, if of course. Bad. Of course. So as a parent in Austria, you would hang one of these birch branches on the wall in your house as both a decorative item because they look so cute. Mm-hmm. And also as a threat to your children. (laughs) So sort of like hanging your favorite belt on the wall. Oh. Oh. Never forget that Krampus knows exactly what you're doing, and he will beat you or eat you if you're naughty. That rhymed. So instead of elf on a shelf, they just hang bundles of birch as a threat. I like the way that sounds. And it's so much cuter. I was going to say, it probably goes way better with whatever room decor is happening. Yeah, Yeah, you're not going to keep an elf on a shelf out all year. I would keep a birch branch out all year, though. Me too. So cute. Yeah. Oh, my God. We need to just, like, have weapons on our walls (laughs) from now on. Just hang your favorite belt. I understand now why they decorate castles the way they do with all those weapons. Yeah. Yeah. Makes total sense. 
One tradition that's very, very fun is that schnapps are usually left out for Krampus as an offering, much like milk and cookies for Santa. Oh, hell yes. Krampus likes to party. Krampus is the party Santa. He's not anti-Santa. He's the party Santa. Yeah, he's like the bad boy of Christmas. Mm, Love Mm -hmm. him. Yeah, he wears like a leather coat sometimes. Very cute. The coolest Krampus knot tradition is the Krampus loaf or Krampus run, where people, typically young men, drink just a whole bunch of alcohol, mm. usually schnapps, <laughs> and they dress up like Krampus to terrorize the streets of their city. That sounds like the coolest fucking tradition ever. I know. Can we go? Yeah, seriously. They dress up in super cool masks, many of which are old and hand carved usually out of wood. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I saw like a bunch of different ones on videos. Mm -hmm. Or they do very scary face paint with long horns and wear scary clawed gloves and suits made of sheep or goat skin so that they look like grandpas. Wow. Then they run around like crazy drunk people and they terrorize children. Yes. God. Yes. Krampuses wear, these Krampuses wear cowbells uh-huh. around their waist so that you can hear them coming. <laughs> and they also bring birch branches and they usually swap people with them or they bring sticks and they poke at people. Okay. Can you imagine the terror that these poor children <laughs> must face yeah. every year? Drunken, Krampi or Krampussies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Krampussies can be involved That's also. That's right. Coming after them. With sticks. Yeah. And the parents are just here for it. They just allow it. It's just a bunch of children, Austrian children, lining the streets <laughs> being like, Mommy, this Krampus, he smells like uncle. Why does he smell like schnapps and he's beating me with a stick? Yeah. That's a really good tradition. We should bring it to the States. Just getting drunk and beating people with sticks. Beating children. Yeah. Yeah. That, that have been bad. 2021. Beat your kids, I think is... We came out as pro-Krampus and pro-child abuse. <laughs> Pro-birch beatings. There, there you go. Birch branches break easily. Yeah. So it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's fine. fine. This whole festival has been toned down in recent years from full-on assault by oh, drunken costume men. <laughs> oh, good. Because it was. It was like, for real, they would hit you in the face and shit. To just being more of a parade. Mm. These parades happen all over. It was obviously traditionally in the Alps and Germanic countries, but now there are Krampus parades in D.C. This one's supposed to be very good. Really? And one in Milwaukee, which I say we go next year. Oh, that's not far from us. Not at all. Hmm. These Krampus runs are basically as big as Mardi Gras parades now. Really? Oh, yeah. Hundreds of people attend, especially the ones in Europe. Wow. Sometimes it's like the running of the bulls where people enter a race and then Krampus's god damn it (laughs) and then krampuses and krampussies Mm. chase you so you're supposed to be drunk in order to enter the race so that krampus has a reason to chase you and beat you if he catches you with the stick so you have to be drunk in order to have krampus to try to get you yes the krampuses are super drunk you're super drunk everyone's just wasted you're running from krampus sounds like a great time i want to go Sounds fucking awesome. I watched a bunch of YouTube videos about this. Yeah. And some of the Krampuses do like flips and cartwheels and shit wow. while they're running. It's so cool. And then some of them are juggling lit torches. Oh. Or I saw one Krampus that was using an actual bullwhip and cracking it in the air. It was so fucking scary. I want to be that guy. <laughs> it was super dope. So I highly recommend just looking up Krampus runs on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But have you ever actually been hit with a whip? 
No. Okay. I'm not a horse girl like you. So Stop I've, it. I've never held a whip. In the last three not weeks, Indiana I have been called horse girl more than I have <laughs> in my entire life. And I don't know what's happening. You are. Just everyone. Noelle has a horse. She owns a horse. She's a horse girl. You're a horse girl. Just accept it. I'm being bullied in my own home. Don't be ashamed of it. <laughs> well, anyway, you. That is the theme for 2021. Well, anyways, <laughs> we use these things called lunge whips. Now that we're yeah. just gonna horse talk for a second, <laughs> and they like crack like a bullwhip would. Yeah. And one time I got hit in the face with one on accident, <gasps> and my Ooh. face was swollen for like two weeks. I was gonna say, did you like? So I can only imagine a drunk Krampus running down the street with a bullwhip is probably actually terrifying it's probably really funny if you're watching it on like the outskirts but if he's chasing after you yeah it's probably pretty pretty scary i would probably shit my pants if just a regular person was chasing me with a whip just a stranger yeah the original version of the krampus run was the perched in love i'm saying that wrong so i'm so sorry to all of our german speakers um or the perch and run Mm-hmm. Perched in are wild pagan spirits, so they're like little evil fairies, mm. and they are associated with the winter solstice, like you were talking about earlier, how right. they kind of all got combined. Mm-hmm. These perched in loft young men would run through the streets ringing loud cowbells, making tons of noise to scare off winter spirits, or these little perched in. Mm. So that's where it originally came from. And then Krampus took over for the perched in, but these little fairies are sometimes still included. They're usually portrayed by women, so we got Krampuses, we got Krampussies, and then we got these little evil spirit fairies running around. Nice. Very fun. Hmm. This tradition started about 1,500 years ago. Another Krampus knot tradition is the Nicholas Peel, which means the Nicholas play, hmm. where good fairies, the perched in loft, battle it out with evil fairies, the perched in, to see who will win. The story of the play varies depending on who is putting it on and where. The play can either center around Adam and Eve versus a serpent, God versus the devil, or now it's very common to have St. Nicholas versus Krampus, with Mm. evil Krampus always losing to good and moral St. Nicholas. Of course. Traditionally, on Krampus Knot, a person would dress up like St. Nicholas and another like Krampus, and they would go door-to-door in their town to speak with children that lived in each house. The St. Nicholas character would ask the children if they have been good or bad, and then ask them to recite a poem or scripture while the Krampus character stomped noisily back and forth outside the house. If the children were unable to recite what St. Nicholas had asked them to, or if they just admitted to being naughty... Krampus would come in, and he would swat them on the booty or the head with his branches. The following day of the Feast of St. Nicholas, all the children would find a would find at their place settings either a gift from St. Nick or something more sinister. Ooh. If you found a stick on your plate instead of a gift, it means that Krampus might come for you next year. If you found two, three, or four sticks, that meant that he was for sure coming for oh, you next shit. year, and you better straighten your shit up. <laughs> The more sticks you have, the more likely it is that you're going to get smacked by a giant goat man's tongue. Mm. And no one wants that. Unless you do. Some might. We're not here to judge. We don't judge. No. Krampus is hardly an isolated idea. 
and I think you're going to tell us about a few more spooky Christmas time creatures to look out for. I sure am. I'm so excited for this part. So Krampus isn't the only type of anti-Santa that we have. There are actually a few others that horror movies haven't written about. So a lot of other movie ideas for us coming up. Let's do it. (laughs) So first we have Belschnickel. Belschnickel. Or Santa's cranky cousin, as some call him, which if you watched the Kurt Russell Christmas movie on Netflix, The Christmas Chronicles, he makes an appearance in the second movie. I have not seen that. Ooh, it's good. So I know I relate a lot of things to movies in this podcast, but it's basically my love language, so (laughs) deal with it. Also, the first movie, The Christmas Chronicles, was pretty good, so I suggest you watch it. Okay. And the second one's not so bad. It's not as good as the first, but it's Kurt Russell as Santa and Goldie Hawn as Mrs. Claus. Oh, my God. So, I mean, Kurt Russell can just do no wrong. He's actually kind of one of my favorites, so... Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn are absolute gems. Yes. And movies are life, so I see no problem with you (laughs) just making everything about movies. Movies are life. Movies are life. But anyways, back to Belschnickel. Also, I have to say, while I was researching this in one of the weirdo Facebook groups that I'm in, <laughs> someone posted an article about Belschnickel, like, while I was researching. So I was in the middle of researching. I needed a break from my phone. Went on Facebook, and yeah. I was like, oh, shit. Belschnickel. So synchronicity. Synchronicity. You get a synchronicity. <laughs> you get a synchronicity. Yeah, we had to Oprah that up. Also, um, when I was researching, I was a little bit drunk because my research, it was my birthday. Yeah. And I meant to text myself the article from the Facebook group so I could read it and, you know, add it into our sources. But I accidentally typed a four instead of a five into my own number. So I accidentally texted some random person an article about Belschnickel. So that's cool. (laughs) Oh my God. They're probably so terrified right now. Like they knew that they had been bad all year. And then someone sends them this Belschnickel article that they have no idea who this person is. (laughs) Right. And they just started totally sweating and crying. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if anyone out there listening randomly got an article texted to you about Belschnickel, I'm sorry, but also you're welcome. Yeah. No, you're welcome. You're welcome. They sadly didn't text back, so I guess it could have been like a landline or something, but who even has those nowadays? Nowadays? Nowadays. Nowadays. Landline. More like lame line. <laughs> oh, no. She went there. It was a hot take, but I did it. So, Belschnickel is very similar to Krampus in the sense that he carries a bundle of birch switches and visits children in the weeks before Christmas. You may be somewhat familiar with Belschnickel if you are a fan of The Office. If you remember when Dwight comes into the office dressed as Belschnickel and Jim's like, so he's kind of like Santa, except dirty and worse. (laughs) Yes. I've been holding my tongue because I knew you were going to bring this up. You have to. Yeah. And also, that's basically the second best Office episode. Mm -hmm. The best one is the Halloween episode where Dwight dresses up like Jigsaw and he... And then he comes in with all the costumes and gets them taken away. Yes. But yes, the Belschnickel one is the first time I ever heard of Belschnickel. Mm-hmm. So Belschnickel is actually a creature from the Palatinate region of southwestern Germany. 
and his lore was brought to America by German immigrants who became the Pennsylvania Dutch. Some people say Belschnickel is sort of a combination of Krampus and Saint Nick. Like, if Santa and Krampus had a baby, it would be Belschnickel. And Gene Simmons would be the grandfather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for and sure. I did see that a couple of places, that Belschnickel is thought to have originated that way. Like, for real. <laughs> yeah, like, it was too hard to care about two Christmas creatures, uh-huh. so they just combined it into one. Oh. Yeah, so you're Whoa. spot on. Oh. The German word bells means fur, and nickel is a reference to St. Nicholas. So another com- combination of St. Nick and Krampus. Yeah. Belschnickel is usually seen in dirty, worn, and tattered clothing with an assortment of furs. He usually can be seen with deer antlers or leaves also added to his wardrobe. You know, high fashion shit. Frankly, he sounds absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous. Usually, he is seen with long, messy, tangled hair and an untamed beard, and Belschnickel sometimes wears a scary mask with a long tongue. All right, so he's just ripping off Krampus's style. Ripping off Krampus. Instead of visiting children alongside Santa, Belschnickel visits children on his own two weeks before Santa shows up. (laughs) It's a little early, bud. Yeah, well, first he taps on their window, Mm -hmm. and then... He bursts through their front door to mess with all of the children in the house. That would terrify me. Home Mm. invasion. (laughs) Right. Belschnickel asks the kids if they have been naughty or nice in his menacing voice. And if the children can't prove that they've been nice, they get switched. Whoa. Those who can prove that they've been good will receive presents from Belschnickel's bag of goodies. Usually cakes or candy or nuts. So Belschnickel wants receipts. Yeah. How do you how do you prove you've been good? By proving you haven't been bad? By having no proof you've been bad? I guess you could lie, but maybe Belschnickel knows if you're lying. What if you're like a really good liar? Mm. Then maybe you can fool Belschnickel. There's only one way to find out. <laughs> when Belschnickel comes, the children must answer questions they must sing songs for him, and in exchange, he throws them cakes and candies and nuts. If the children go for the candy too greedily, like if he throws them and they mm-hmm. like are fighting each other for the candy, Belschnickel will beat them with a switch. Oh, so he just no patience. Just no patience. Who Belschnickel? Who would fight someone over nuts? Nuts are good. Some, but some children, probably. Yeah. You, you, do you know any children that eat nuts besides peanuts? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know a single child that would. Just eat a nut. Well, there's candy in there, too. That's what yeah. they're really fighting over. Yeah. Do you think Belschnickel is a pinata? And if the children just got that switch mm. and beat him, <gasps> he would be full of candy? You're on to something. Maybe that's where the pinata came from. I Or it was from Belschnickel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But I'm going to find you, Belschnickel. And I'm going to beat you until the candy comes out. You got to. I got to. Got to. Because I'm threatening him now. The purpose of Belschnickel is to visit the children before Santa comes because he really just tries to instill that fear. So he comes and he asks them if they've been good. He's kind of just there to, so they behave extra well the weeks before Christmas oh, okay. when Santa really comes. Yeah. And it's honestly probably when parents need it the most. So yeah, Christmas is stressful. Go Belschnickel. Mm-hmm. Next we have Next Ruprecht. I probably just butchered that. The story goes 
all the way back to the Middle Ages, and it is a German tradition. The Nectruprikt is the evil friend of St. Nick, and he rewards good children with candy and gifts on December 6th, which is also St. Nicholas Day, like hmm. you said. A lot of uh, similarities here. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like Krampus. Uh, he's usually seen as half demon, half goat, with a horn and a, or horns and a long tongue. But he is also sometimes just seen as a wicked man with a long black beard, wearing a brown robe with chains and a bundle of sticks. Oh. So these anti-Santas just, they love a good switch. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Until the Negan comes and he just beats children with a bat. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want the Negan. You don't want the Negan. (laughs) Some say that he has bells tied to his waist so you can hear him coming for you. So once again, that. Yeah. Is it St. Nick? Is it Nectar Pricked? Nobody knows. I'll never trust a bell again. I'll tell you that. Don't trust bells. Never trust a bell. He is a companion of St. Nick and he comes to the homes of children on December 6th and he asks their parents if the children have been good. If the parents tell him that they've been bad, he beats them with a switch, and then he drags them into the woods. Oh, my God. So the parents get to decide. <laughs> that's that's dark, right? Some say that St. Nicholas found him as a baby and raised him on his own. Others say he was just a wild farmer, so oh. no one really knows. But Those are polar opposites. Well, the most fucked up of all is some say that saint nick found him when saint nick came to an inn to rest okay so saint nick had found that the innkeeper had murdered three boys and stuffed them into a pickling barrel what saint nick used his powers to bring the boys back to life but the innkeeper was forced to work for saint nick for all of eternity as a punishment holy shit hence nectrupricked So basically, he's Santa's assistant. Like, Santa is always the good cop, and he's always the bad cop. And he sometimes steals children away in a sack. And he murders them and puts them in barrels, I (laughs) guess. Yeah. Wow. Pretty much. Uh, Now I want to mention some Icelandic Christmas monsters, because in my research, it seemed like Iceland and Germany just really, really love scaring their children into behaving. And honestly... I'm here for it. I'm also here for it. And this is just, I know what story you're going to tell. This is my all-time favorite Christmas story. It's so good. So first we have Yola Couture. And I hope I'm saying that right. But this is an Icelandic Yule cat. And the tradition goes like this. If you finished all your work and all your chores, you will receive new clothes. If you don't, you don't get any new clothes. If you are lazy and you don't receive new clothes, the Yule Cat, and I'm not going to say the name again, because it's just hard. Icelandic is so hard. It's so hard. So if you don't receive any new new clothes, the Yule Cat will eat you. Oh. And the Yule Cat knows who the lazy children are because they aren't wearing any new clothes. Dang. Yeah. The story was so that children would finish their chores, but also farmers, it was also used for farmers as an incentive for their workers to finish processing wool before christmas okay so it's also getting after the adults here yeah all right it's a little more fair (laughs) right so yola is said to be the house pet of our next spooky scary christmas beings gryla and lepaludi yeah and they are giant cannibal trolls 
who live in a cave and love to eat children. Yeah. So sick. I love this story so much. Gryla comes for the badly behaved children. She puts them in her sack and brings them back to her house to cook them in her giant cauldron. She makes naughty kid stew. Honestly. Yum. Little little garlic in there. A little red pepper. <laughs> Maybe a little caramelized onion action. Yeah. Yeah, Do I would like that. Three times the amount of garlic that it actually calls for. Because oh. everyone knows you can't have too much garlic. You have to. You got to. You just don't even listen to a recipe. You just put in the whole... You just put everything in. Measure All, with your heart. Yeah. You got to. Some stories say that Gryla has 300 heads and three eyes on each head. Other accounts say she had eyes in the back of her head, horns, Mm -hmm. and ears that hang down to her shoulders and that she fastens to her nose. Oh, she sounds really nice. So cute, right? She also supposedly has a beard and teeth like charcoal, so she sounds super cute. Very cute. (laughs) Live your dream, babe. Her husband, Lepaludi, is also a troll, but he's described as being not as ugly as Gryla. Sexist. Yeah. Together, they have 20 children and another 13 sons who are in a super cool gang called the Yule Lads. Love the Yule Lads. So let me get this straight, though. They have Mm -hmm. 20 children. Yes. But also 13 sons. Yeah. And I think they said that it was either Gryla or somebody else had children also from another marriage. Oh. There's a lot of different accounts. It's like folklore in Iceland. So yeah, yeah. depending on who you talk to, it's going to be a different number. So yeah, yeah. don't okay. quote me on the number. <laughs> oh, I won't. I won't. So I'm just going to assume then that Gryla had 13 sons from a previous marriage. Mm-hmm. Well, that... her, that's her and Lepaludi. Those are her, their kids. Oh, okay. And then they yeah. had 20 children before that. Yes. Oh, that's so many children. So many children. Yeah, that's too many. Do you ever think that they kind of run low on food, so they just turn one of their children into the stew. Ooh. I'm just putting that out there. Do they eat trolls, though, or just humans? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, well depending on how bad the kids have been in the village, yeah. they oh, might yeah. not need mm-hmm. to eat their kids. That's true. So, who knows? You want to talk about the Yule Lads? They sound fucking cool as shit, so yeah, I do. A cool-ass gang. Okay, so the Yule Lads are a group of 13 pranksters that come on December 12th, and they basically just cause mischief until Christmas. So each day, one of them leaves until Christmas, and they're all gone. So each day, one comes, and then he leaves. And oh. then the next day, yeah. Okay, so it's like an advent calendar of pranksters. Plus the crazy 88. <laughs> Okay, I'm here for it. They also leave small toys or candies and shoes that children place on windowsills. But if the children are bad, they just leave potatoes, which is kind of hilarious. <laughs> also delicious. And so delicious. you have French fries. Yeah. Thanks, you boys. <laughs> they also have really funny names, all pertaining to the type of pranks that they pull on their day of prankage. <laughs> Prankage. I'm not going to read all 13, but I do want to call out some really funny ones. All right. These are your favorite Yule Boys? My favorite Yule Boys. Okay. Lay it on us. So first we have Os Kosliker. Mm-hmm. Don't know if that's how you say it, <laughs> but I did look it up. So Os Kosliker, which translates to bowl liquor. What? And his thing is that he waits under beds, waiting for someone to put down their ascor, which is a type of bowl, 
and then he steals the bowl and he licks it. Oh, no. <laughs> That's just his prank. That's his prank. He just licks bowls. Which, That's I mean, honestly, great sick prank. prank. Yeah. But don't confuse him with Force Licker, which translates to Spoon Licker. Oh, no. And he steals spoons and licks them, but he is also known to be extremely thin due to malnutrition because he only licks spoons. He doesn't eat anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the only thing he eats is coming from the spoons that he's licking. Well, that's very sad. Yeah. Someone get this boy a ladle. Right. <laughs> and the last one that I want to mention is Gottpuffer, also known as Doorway Sniffer. Yes. He just has a huge ass nose and a really good sense of smell that he uses to try to locate leaf bread. Wow. So we got a boy licking bowls. We got a boy licking spoons. And he's just emaciated. Yeah. And then we have another boy sniffing out your bread and he eats it. Yeah. But he's called doorway sniffer. I don't know why he's called doorway sniffer if he just wants bread. I don't know. He should be like bread sniffer. Yeah, right? Loaf lad? Just (laughs) doorway sniffer. I just, I had to say that because it was doorway sniffer. It's such a cute name. So funny. Anyways, that's all I have. For the Yule Boys, which, again, sounds like a sick-ass boy band from the 90s. Yeah. Yule so, Boys back. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I love Yule Boys. They have Yule the Boys. sickest Christmas album drop-in. I bet there's a shirt out there of the Yule Boys dressed like a <laughs> 90s boy band. There has to be one. If not, we should make it because I would wear it. Yeah. If we, if any graphic designers are listening to us right now, <laughs> we would like to commission a Yule Boys yeah. Like new kids on the block style. Yule lads. Yule lads. Yule lads. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's all I have for all of the other weird Christmas traditions. I'm sure there are plenty more. Oh, I bet there's so many. Yeah. But those well, were the ones, really the ones that stuck out. Yeah, like it. It's like Krampus and Friends. Yeah. Krampus and the Gang. Krampus and the Gang. I think we should call the episode Krampus and the Gang. <laughs> we will. We'll do it. We're okay. going to do it. Okay, perfect. Well, since we talked about 90s boy bands, I think we should naturally segue into listener mail. That's the most natural segue I can think of. I think so, too. It's naturally segue. <laughs> One yeah. after another. Duh. This week's listener lore comes from our sweet, sweet friend, Evan, who is actually an author. And he wrote yes. a very super cool book called Spirit of Salem. So check that out. It's on Amazon. His pen name is E.S. Kern, yes. which sounds very cool. It's a very good book, too. We both read it. Highly suggested to anyone listening. Yeah. It's super, super good. Um, he wrote us two stories. So I'm thinking, oh. give me your thoughts on this. We read mm-hmm. one now. We do a listener lore two-parter. Oh. We read the second one next week? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. Perfect. So Evan writes, hi, ladies, with two exclamation points. <laughs> As promised, even though they are a bit late, here are my spooky stories. One with a happy ending and one with a bittersweet ending. Mm. One isn't a sequel to the other, so read either in order. Oh, and you have to read the asterisk section separators. They're major plot points in the stories. Oh, okay. Of course he has this written so perfectly because he's an author. He's an author, so (laughs) I was reading through it and it's, it's just, it's basically a novel. Nice. Thanks, Evan. Appreciate it. Sorry, I'm adjusting. I got Krampus back. Krampus back. <laughs> I got the Krampus back. All right, so he continues, enjoy. Can't wait to hear y'all's feedback on air. Mm-hmm. Love you so much. Your very best friend, Evan. 
Love you, Evan. I put that last part in. He didn't write that. He wrote dash E.S. Kern. And I thought it sounded too cold. So I put love you so much. Love, Evan. Wow. You're putting words into his mouth. <laughs> I feel like you've done that before, though. Um, Sometimes I just riff. And it feels right. And it feels natural. And I love you so much when they're like, thanks. Bye. Never call me again. You will be getting served with a restraining order, Evan. <laughs> love you forever and ever. <laughs> Everyone loves us, and I love everyone. <laughs> hey, it's fine. Okay, let's start with story number one. It's called The Final Goodbye. Ooh, I love how he titles it, too. Well, he's a freaking author, so duh. I know. I know. If this is sad, I'm going to cry, Evan. Oh, no. Just so you know. In the spring of 2013, I lost someone I loved very much. Nicole, pass me those tissues. Thank you so much. That was just chocolate, but it's it's the same. <laughs> it's the same to me. I figured. Sparing the harrowing personal details of her death, all of which can be heard on my brother's podcast interview with me. Link available upon request. I did not know his brother had a podcast. Me neither. I would like that link. I will figure that out and we will plug that next episode. Nice. She was not happy with her home life and saw no other way out than committing suicide. Mm. Needless to say, I was heartbroken, left wanting answers and left and a lot left unsaid myself. Let's call her Amara. I went through the rest of my college school year and the summer in a fog. As the fall semester started, I met a woman who would eventually become my fiance, Mm. and she helped tremendously in filling the void in my heart left by the events of that prior spring. Shout out to Courtney. (laughs) Shout out to Courtney. We freaking love her. As well as putting me on the right path towards becoming the man that I am today. I cannot express in words how grateful I am for her. However, this story is not about me, nor is it about her. This story is about my raven-haired nobody, a girl that happened to cross my path at just the right time when I needed her ghostly guidance most. Oh, I just got goosebumps. The girl who would go on to inspire the protagonist of The Shade, (gasps) Sybil Altgate. For that reason, and for anonymity's sake, let's just call her Sybil. I met Sybil in, of all places, a study class on biblical subtext. One of those bullshit gen ed classes that we just have to take to fill credits. Yep. We started talking. She was very pleasant to be around, a refreshing and welcome part of my week. Every other course day. Over the course of just a few short weeks and many meetups before or after classes, don't ask me how because for the life of me, I cannot recall that specific detail. We got to talking about my ex. Dredging up old memories, I told Sybil everything I could everything I deemed as appropriate for a budding friendship to have out in the open. Her questioning at first was innocent enough, probing but not crossing any lines. And then she asked if I would like her to fetch Amara for me. What? I said, fetch? I had never heard that term before in my life. And then she described it to me, spilled the proverbial beans, as it were. Sybil was, not to put a fine point on it, a spirit walker. One who could transverse the void between this world and the next to find the souls of the lost, make contact with them, and help those left behind, friends and family, find that closure that they so earnestly desired. Sounds too good to be true? Too convenient for just having lost someone myself? You would think that. Just wait, it gets even weirder. Hold on to your butts. Yes. After the initial skepticism had worn off, I decided to humor her. After all, what did I have to lose? I agreed to let Sybil help me and still get chills thinking about it to this day. First, she asked me all about Amara. 
what she was like in life, what I loved most about her, the conditions of her suicide. Later, I found out that this was to tease out those deep-seated emotions, strengthen the connection to Amara in the place that Sybil referred to as the after. She also required a thing called a fetch item, something that in life held deep spiritual importance to the deceased. This could be anything from a family heirloom to a stuffed animal. She even attested to using a photograph of someone one time as the fetch. I had nothing left of Amara's. By then, I had even burned the suicide note, feeling it more of a burden to carry around than any kind of last loving goodbye. I had no pictures, had deleted all of our texts in a fit of misplaced rage, and had effectively erased all traces of her from my life. But goddamn, if I can't still see her face clear as day when I close my eyes. Sybil used this. Getting comfortable, she entered the after. As far as I know, she didn't use any hallucinogens or mind-altering substances to achieve this. It was a natural gift that she possessed, like being able to rub one's stomach and pat one's head simultaneously. This is expanded upon in the book, where the protagonist uses an ergo-fungus infusion Mm -hmm. to travel to that place. Which, sidebar here, is a very cool scene in the book. Yeah, it's a yeah. Every time she goes to the after in the book, it's so cool. It's like the best parts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He continues. Anyway, upon her arrival, Sybil described a veritable paradise: vast, featureless plains of reed grass that could take take on any memory projected onto them by those seeking closure to her, and in which the spirits of the deceased or shades resided. All of this is expounded upon in the book where. Mm-hmm. Where burning, triplet suns warmed the ground and all those who wandered there, and a solitary sycamore tree stood as both sentry and landmarker, making real to the reader the vision I had when she related the peacefulness of that alien place to me. I told her about Amara's grandmother's house by the beach, her favorite place to visit, where her ashes had been spread following her death. There, Sybil found Amara, even described her cheeky smile, just as I remembered it. I asked the burning questions, why'd you do it? Is there anything more I could have done to help? Do you miss me? The answers Amara gave through Sybil seemed genuine enough, but I needed more. I needed that proof. I had left one tiny detail out. In our many conversations on the topic, thinking back, it must have been on purpose. My big brain, trademark, (laughs) planned four moves ahead. I told Sybil to ask Amara what the last thing I said to her was. Something which I had never told a living soul, and something I still kept a close-guarded secret to this day. She reiterated verbatim the last thing I had said to Amara. I was floored. From that moment on, there had been no doubt in my mind. The after is real, and my sweet Amara is at peace. I never questioned this truth. Wow. And then, the asterisk part. Ooh. I'm, like, tearing up. (laughs) It's very... Yeah. Yeah. Flash forward to just a couple summers ago, and all that self-doubt and depression come screaming back. I had been having feelings around our new house, like something was lingering there, not ready to leave, a spiritual something. Since Amara's passing, I had felt her presence, nights spent lonely, thinking about her, put to rest with a chilling embrace, yet wholly identifiable as her own. A pair of unseen eyes felt watching me while I work yet turning and finding no one there, an invisible hand, an invisible warm hand in a set of dainty fingers. 
slipping around mine while I was walking alone or in bed at night. I knew she was near. I knew she was trying to reach out, trying to tell me something, until one day when I really let the waterworks flow. I had no idea what it was. I knew then and there, seeing as I moved in with my future fiancé and we were actively planning our future together, I needed to put this ghost to rest. I went to visit a therapist, realizing that this was not a burden I or my fiancé or anyone could or anyone could shoulder alone and be successful. I needed an objective point of view of things. Over the course of three sessions taking place in over a month's time, I had come to the conclusion that I needed to, quote, bury Amara, needed to partake in the activity that I had been denied, and the inconveniences of distance and time, gathering an old balsa wood tea box from my mother and a handful of knickknacks that reminded me of Amara and some other personal items, I had meant to give her one day. I set out on my mission. I penned a seven-page letter recounting all of my feelings for her, my hopes for the shared future we were deprived of, and my sincerest wishes for, for the time in between our abrupt goodbyes and meaning again to be peaceful and easy for both of us. Arriving at the Lake Ontario Beach Pier one day, a place that had always meant to show her, I was dressed in my neatest black morning attire. I decided to use the long walk up from the beach to mentally prepare myself for what I needed to do and how exactly I would be carrying it out. As I neared the end, a balding middle-aged man in nondescript running clothes, himself resting at the end of the pier before the return jog back to the mainland, suspicious of my lonesomeness and unseasonal attire, approached me. He asked who I was and what I was doing at the pier, conveying genuine concern for what he assumed, I assume based on his body language, to be an attempt, if you catch my drift. I told him straight up I was there in mourning, meaning to put to rest someone from my life that had passed on. Satisfied with my candid honesty, he remained by the pier beacon, standing in the case emotional support was needed, but allowing for my personal space. I sat, spread the trinkets in their coffin out ahead of me, indicating their significance to the moment before, reciting my pre-written letter to the open air. When I was finished, I folded it, fit it inside the tea box with the rest of the items, capped and bound the box, and set it adrift in the water. Still by myself, I watched its distinct shape as the water carried it out with the current. When it finally disappeared behind a white cap, I turned, feeling relief, and proceeded back down the pier. The kindly man who had stayed for the entirety of the affair, I assumed, had left as I set the box in the water. I never saw him leave, nor did I see his distinctive red shirt, as I left back down the length of the pier. I'm feeling better these days, even though Sybil and I don't talk anymore. I'm comforted at the thought that she entered my life just as I needed her and left when her purpose was fulfilled. For this, she she has dedicated the first book in my hopeful series, inspired by true events that led me to write it. I thank her wherever she may be now, Every day from the bottom of my heart for how she has helped me where there where no other soul conceivably could. Thoughts and feelings from my dearly departed Amara still ebb and flow, but I've come to accept it as a thing that isn't going away. She still occupies an unfillable place in my heart, and it's not going to change. I've had many talks with my fiance, whom has also lost highly regarded people in her own life, on the subject, and she is supportive. I believe trauma can be a spur. When we let things fester, become something more than they are, it can be damaging, but it can also be used for good, if not ourselves, then for the good of others. 
creating art, being available for others, also going through hardships, or just taking personal time with nature. All of these pursuits are valid and meaningful. To anyone struggling with loss or heartache, my message to you is simple. You are not your pain. Your life is far from empty or over. Sometimes the end is just a new beginning. Nicole's crying. (laughs) I'm just tearing a little bit. That was a good-ass listener mail. It was super good, and that's only the first half. I don't know if I can read the next one. You might have to read the next one, too. (laughs) (laughs) If I can get through it. Right. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Evan. That is part one of his exceedingly long listener mail. And I would have to say probably the best written listener mail that we've ever had. Oh, it's amazing because he's like a published author and stuff. Obviously. (laughs) So... So tune in next week for part two. Oh, I can't wait. I'm not going to read it before. I want to I want to listen to it live again. Okay. Or I guess maybe read it if I can't. <laughs> I'll read it for you so that you can just cry and cry. So I can just continue my cry, my tears. That yeah. was so beautiful, Evan. Thank you so much for that. It really. was very, very beautiful. If anyone else has a story that they want to share, it doesn't have to be this personal Um yeah. Or it can be, and we'll just, I guess, continue trying to make Nicole cry. And I'll cry. I don't yeah. cry, like, a lot Nicole either. never cries. So, ever, ever. Thanks for that, Evan. Yeah. <laughs> um, let us know. You can send it to quiteunusualpod at gmail.com, or you can always get in those DMs. It feels inappropriate to say slippery slide. Say slippery slide. You Do it. Slippery slide into our DMs. <laughs> If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And as always, all of our source material will be provided for you in our description if you want to do any of your own research. It sure will. So that was a very fun and festive Krampus and Friends episode. And then also a very sad listener mail that I'm never going to stop thinking about. (laughs) So um, I feel like maybe we should just end our podcast here and say everyone have a wonderful holiday or if your holidays have passed or yet to come, we hope they were great or are great. Yeah. Um, Take care of yourself. If you're going through anything, reach out to your friends, reach out to us. Yeah. We're here for you. We are here for you. Mm -hmm. And as always, remember to celebrate the strange. And keep it unusual. Bye. Bye.